Young and Dumb, a podcast for the young, dedicated, up-and-coming, motivated, and bold. Hear the journey of incredible individuals like you or I, who accomplish many things in their short lifetimes. Allow them to tell their story and share with you how they got to where they are today. And the best part yet is they're only just getting started. Welcome to the Young and Dumb Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Guys, this week we've got a special one. We've got our man, Jordan Gross, on the podcast. The man, the myth, the legend who is doing 90 podcasts in 90 days. It's insane what he's trying to do. But he's an executive coach for Cloud9 Living, a two-time author, three-time founder, and he's spoken with TEDx, which should be coming out shortly. It's crazy what he's done. His path is definitely the non-traditional one, even though it started off as a traditional one, going from school to consulting internships to the restaurant industry and now into coaching. It's insane. And I hope you guys get a ton of value for this, especially all of you that are in college right now. So before we get started, if you get any value, please take a screenshot of this. Take the screenshot, put it on your Instagram story, tag us at Getcho Grind Up. That's G E T C H O G R I N D U P. And let us know what you think about the episode. We love to hear. And please leave us a review. It means the absolute world to us on iTunes. It helps our voice grow. And you already know when our voice grows, your voice grows too. So let's just jump into it. Welcome back to the Young and Dumb podcast with your co-host from the East Coast, Justin and Gary, checking in with you guys once again. It's If it's your first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're a return listener, welcome back. We are heading up to New York this week. We brought on our boy Jordan uh, to discuss a little bit about what he's into. I don't want to overstep and share a little too much before we get into things, but we'll start off with our introductions of where are my manners. Jordan, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? So pumped to be here. It's my second podcast on my 90-day, 90-podcast uh, journey. So just thrilled to be chatting with you guys. I've uh, listened to the podcast in the past. I know a lot of your guests and couldn't be more pumped, more thrilled to talk to you guys. Love it, love it, love it. And Jordan, let me tell you something. We will be the best number two there ever was. <laughs> um, but before we do that, we want to uh, kind of look back a little bit and take a, a glance at your journey so far. And yeah. let's take that journey and turn it into a loading bar. So from zero to 100%, where do you feel like you are right now on your loading bar? Yeah, the loading bar question. I would say I'm in, I'm like right near my age. I'd say I'm, I'm around 24. Um, I, I think that in regard to when I really started to figure out uh, what I wanted to do, it was only two years ago. So I'm not even remotely close. I'm about one fifth of the way to maximizing my full potential. Uh, so really, it's like my first zero to 20 years, I was going through the motions and we can get more into that. But now I think I've really found what I'm supposed to be doing here. And uh, it's it's all just getting started. All right. So let's dive deep into that kind of going through the motion stage, right? Yeah. 
I feel like a lot of our audience, which is mainly like college students, they're still yeah. trying to figure out what they want to do as they should be, right? You're 18, 19, 20 years old. There's yeah. not much knowledge that you're going off of, just basically instincts. What were you going through and what was kind of going through your head as you started to shift more towards like, oh, I actually know what I want to do now? Yeah, yeah. So uh, a little bit background of background. So I was like, like I mentioned, going through the motions, I was sort of always an insider. I, you know, in high school, I was a student athlete. I was captain of the soccer team and I got good grades. So, you know, my next logical step was to go to a good school and, and play sports. And then uh, I ended up doing that. So I went to Northwestern in Chicago. I played soccer my first year. And then the next logical step there was to continue getting good grades. And, and the guys on my team and the people that I met told me, you know, you're going to get internships in the finance world. So that's what I did. And they said, you know, you'll have stability and a great life if you just, you know, you make a lot of money doing investment banking or something. So I had a finance internship. And then I said, oh, you know what, guys, I don't love this too much. So then they said, oh, no, no that's totally fine. Like get into consulting. So then my junior in internship, I tried out consulting. And uh, all this time, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be provided with these opportunities based off of my, you know, my relationship building skills and my, um, my grades that I received, but nothing ever really clicked. So then that consulting internship turned into, you know what, guys, like, I don't really think this is the route for me. And they said, you know what, at this point, you should just go to school, like take another year to figure it out. So I applied to a master's program. I studied management studies at Northwestern's business school. I stayed an extra year in Chicago. And this was the year when I really thought things were going to make a change. So I, I started listening to personal growth and development podcasts. I started reading a lot of books. And I figured out that I needed to get started in something that I was passionate about very early on. And that passion for me, I decided, was going to be the restaurant world. So I thought, you know, I'll look into the restaurant world. I'll, I'll see if there are any prestigious uh, like leadership programs out there. I've always been very involved in the leadership world, being, you know, captain of the soccer team and then starting organizations and being, you know, president of the organizations um, in college. And uh, so I found this one program at Hillstone Restaurant Group, which is this privately owned, you know, $100 million a year in, in revenue company. Um, and I applied for their management and leadership rotational program. And I got the job and I said, I am finally doing something cool, something pa something I'm passionate about, something I can really uh, make my own. I uh, unfortunately learned the hard way, and this isn't a message that we always hear, that sometimes following your passions doesn't work out the way that you want it to. Um, so I got into that role and I pretty quickly realized I chose it not because I was passionate about it, but actually I went back to the wrong old reasons. I chose that position because I was going to make a lot of money. And I was making a lot of money. I chose it because there was a lot of prestige. It was like the number one role you can get as entry level in the restaurant world. Um, and I chose it to be a leader at a young age, which is not something bad. But anyway, uh, after four months, I kind of went back into this whole uh, black hole in my mind of, am I doing this because I want to be here? Or am I doing this for the not so good reasons of the prestige and the stability and the money? Um, and I realized that it was all because of the not so good reasons. So I had to take that extra step back and go back to my, my books and my personal growth and development and realize what it really was from the experience that I was enjoying and cherishing and what I could take from a not so great experience and apply to what I was going to do next. So that's when I started to understand for myself that, uh, 
it had to be involved with helping people. It had to be involved with creating something on my own. Um, and it had to be relationship based. So that's when I wrote my first book. I self-published. And for the last year and a half, I've been speaking about it. I've been writing about it. I've been coaching people about it. Um, and then through a, a variety of other projects and relationships and ideas, it, it's led me to to where I am today. So I know that's super long-winded, but uh, that's that's my journey thus far. No, and I think that's that's incredible that you've gone through this journey of um, self-growth and you've really been able to essentially step back and find what fits you. And I, I want to highlight that because I think that's very, very important um, as our, our dreams or whatever we want to do in life. That journey seems really glamorized. Like yeah. we want it to be super easy Absolutely. and have everything kind of just fall into place when in reality, it's not really like that. Um, it often doesn't happen. We run into a lot of roadblo roadblocks as you have. Uh -huh. um, but that leads me to the question, um, how did you differentiate uh, the glamorized uh, jobs, such as those internships, whether it's the financial or I'm working with the restaurant group, how did you differentiate uh, what you truly want to do beyond the, the glamorized features, such as a leadership position, the money, um, and the benefits? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And I think for me, it came down to more so my energy. So with me, energy is everything. Uh, and I truly believe that the way to actually understand if you're pursuing something that you truly find has meaning and purpose, your energy levels are going to be through the roof, right? So there I was in a position of, of status in all of these jobs of stability, of comfort. Uh, but my energy was was nowhere to be found. You know, I, I was, it's cliche, but I was not waking up and being excited to go to work. I was waking up and I was excited to do other things. I was excited to write. I was excited to work on a side business. I was excited to basically do everything that I was doing except go and work the, the nine to five or in the restaurant world. It was like 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. hours that I was working. So uh, it was for me, I, I, different, I differentiated based off of the energy that I was feeling within my body and, and really also the energy that I was putting out. Um, the, the products of my work were, were so much more well-received outside of my core competency, right? So I felt like even in going through the motions in, say, the restaurant world, like my, uh, my efforts there weren't as noticed maybe. And maybe that was in my head because I didn't love it that much, but I realized what I was doing on the side my efforts were much more um, taken into, uh, were much more accounted for there. All right. So you started to make that transition from the quote unquote traditional route, right? Yeah. Like saying no to finance, consulting, the restaurant industry, and then going down this quote unquote non traditional route to yeah. success, becoming an author, founder, speaker, etc. And the hardest thing that I think about that transition is the education side, right? We're not taught how to succeed the non-traditional route. We've got mm. YouTube and, and Google, et cetera, but there's no real focus. Like there's no school for the non-traditional route, so to yeah. say. What were some big, either people that you looked up to, some yeah. books that, that you kind of paid attention to that really led you to this point of finding these three key business components? Yeah, you're so right. Um, but this is my favorite question because I attribute everything in my life to the relationships that I've built and really the initiative 
and courage that I've had in reaching out to the people who I wanted to be like. So I'll give you, I'll give you three quick stories, and I think you'll appreciate them all because they're each a little bit different in the people I was able to connect with and the relationships I was able to make. Um, so first and foremost was this guy named Hal Elrod. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He wrote a book called The Miracle Morning, which at this point has sold you know over 2 million copies. He's a huge voice in the self, uh, self-help and personal growth and development world. Um, and for me, I always think a little bit differently than other people. I, I like to be extremely creative and unique. So the way that I set my goals are actually uh, non-traditional as well. So rather than my goal being like, I want to be uh, a millionaire and I want to do this by this age and I want to be a best-selling author, like actually my goal for last year was I want to have a personal relationship with Hal Elrod. So this was a guy who I looked up to and my first book actually, Getting Comfy, Your Morning Guide to Daily Happiness, was my own rendition of The Miracle Morning. Comfy was a five-step acronym, C-O-M-F-Y for how I was waking up to to my full potential and taking control of my day. Um, So basically through LinkedIn, through Instagram, through being on his email list, uh, I was able to somehow get an email where I was to apply out of, they were choosing six people out of his 100,000 person email list um, to meet Hal Elrod in person and go to one of his events. So I I spent a full day on that application. I was chosen as one of the six people. And I learned from Hal Elrod all about how he created this community of Miracle Morning practitioners um, in person. And now I talk to Hal, you know, maybe once a month. And uh, I check that goal off the list. So that was all based on relationships. And what I've learned from him is really how to grow something from the ground up. He started this with absolutely no name, no no platform, nothing in 2012, and now he's got millions of people behind it. Um, story number two, which will be a little bit quicker, a little bit funnier, is uh, when my book came out, I, I was on Amazon and Goodreads, and I was getting these emails from Goodreads, and uh, there was a promotional email from Goodreads that said, uh, Nir Ayal says that you need to use Goodreads because his book sales have grown like X percent because of it. So I saw that name, and I said, Nir Ayal, why does that look so familiar? And from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. in the morning, to this day, I work at Blink Fitness. I do personal training just to sort of help people from, from a health level as well. So I noticed, I, I was thinking about that name as I got into work the next day, Near Ayal, Near Ayal. I'm standing at the front desk, and uh, this guy checks in, and I see his name pop up on the screen, and it's Near Ayal. So Near Ayal is this guy who wrote a book called Hooked, uh, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. He's a Wall Street Journal, number one bestseller. I walked up to him at the gym the next day. I said, I noticed you on an email chain. Do you mind if we had a chat? One thing led to another, and now we literally do work together twice a week in a coffee shop where we just hold each other accountable to our writing. And he's really helped me with you know, my writing skills, with connections in the world, um, and that's, that's story number two. So story number three is a guy named Peter Shankman. So if you guys or any of your listeners use a website called Harrow, help a reporter out. Um, he founded that company and now he's, you know, just a a multimillionaire. He he speaks keynotes all over the place. Um, and he's a really cool guy. So I was at this event called next gen, which is a young entrepreneur group in New York city. And Peter Shankman was a keynote speaker. And he basically said to the audience, if you need any support in growing your entrepreneurial journey in, in starting a movement and anything like that, 
I am here to help. Here's my email. Here's my phone number. But you're going to do it on my time. And my time happens to be five o'clock in the morning in Central Park at New York City. We can have a 45 minute discussion if you're willing to come and do a run with me at, 45, at five o'clock in the morning for 45 minutes. So I was like, this is my perfect chance. I am an early riser anyway. I love to run and I love to talk to people. So why wouldn't I do it? I ended up texting him the next day, actually, because I figured you get a bunch of emails. Um, texted him the next day. He said, meet me in two weeks at uh, 4.45 in Central Park. We chatted for 45 minutes, and now he's a, he's a very close mentor of mine. So long, long story short with the three of those, it's about being unique in the way that you connect with people. And uh, for me, it's really about soaking up as much information as possible from the people you want to be like. So those are three people who have accomplished things that I want to accomplish. And uh, yeah, that's that's how I uh, gotten in with them. And now I learn from them every single day. And I think that's dope. One, that you, you ran into him at the gym yeah. uh, the next day. That's incredible. Um, but I I've also have experience with NextGen. I went to one of their conferences um, oh, amazing. In, in Philly, which was pretty cool as well. Um, nice. I think the, out of your, your three stories, the, the biggest thing I took from it, um, was that you're an opportunist. Mm. Um, and I think that's huge. Something that's often overlooked when, um, small glimpses of opportunity are, are flashed in front of you, or even making the most of those chances, uh, you took them. And now with, uh, some of your idols and uh, people who serve as mentors and, uh, collaborators, um, were people that you were looking up to no more than a year ago um, when they were yeah. on stage. And look at you now, you're uh, a TEDx speaker, um, mm -hmm. which is incredible. Well, yeah. stating that you're a TEDx speaker, how did you get involved with um, doing your own public speaking? Um, was it nationwide, I believe? Yeah, so, and I appreciate you saying that. I, I, really, I really value initiative and taking on the opportunity. So I think... That is a great word, opportunist, and, and thank you for realizing that. And with the speaking, again, it's, uh, it's funny. I don't have a secret formula, but it's all about the people who I connected with. So um, I was able to travel to a couple high schools, to a couple colleges, uh, and to a couple organizations and speak around the country. But the, the other story I'll share is actually about getting the TEDx talk. So for me, it wasn't just the relationships at the time. It was also about timing. So timing and, and I guess going to the opportunists part of me is was something that was important here. So I basically just went on the TED website and the TEDx website and I looked for talks that were about three to five months out because I figured people weren't looking for speakers anytime before that. I also looked for talks that were within three to five hours driving from New York so I didn't have to fly anywhere. And uh, what I did was I filtered it, I created an Excel sheet. And instead of just going to their application site, I actually connected with each of the hosts on LinkedIn, the organizers of the TEDx events. And I developed genuine and authentic relationships, conversations with them. You know, I, I looked up who, the, who they were, what they were doing in the world. And we spoke about that to begin with. And then after maybe a week or two of conversation, I threw in, you know, I, I happened to do a little bit of speaking here and there. Um, I see that you organize a TED event would love to uh, to speak further and maybe you know get on your radar. A couple of the people invited me to their application page, but one in particular was just you know enamored by the the chat we had going back and forth. She actually just invited me to come and speak. So that's how I got the TED engagement. Again, it's all through just these these simple conversations so many of us overlook. Dude, 
I love that. That's amazing. Because <laughs> it's it's literally only like one extra step if you yeah. really think about it in yeah. terms of like instead of applying, you just send someone a message. Sure. But because of that one extra step, it's allowed you to differentiate yourself amongst everyone else there. Um, yeah. I think one of the hardest things for many people reaching out is that first message and how yeah. to make it not sound transactional, right? Right, right. How do you go about reaching out to someone and saying, hey, I would like to be your friend without yeah. having like a really ulterior motive, uh -huh. even though there is sort of like an ulterior motive, if you get what I mean. I totally get what you mean. And I, I think this relates pretty greatly to uh, your 30 podcast and 30 day journey and my 90 podcast and 90 day journey, because every day uh, I'm reaching out to, to 10 podcast hosts in my network, all of whom I know nothing about. Um, but the, the, the first thing I would say is, is get to know something about them, uh, get to know the podcast, get to know their values, get to know guests that they've had. Um, if you're specifically looking for podcasts, but, uh, anyway, and reaching out to anybody, you need to start the conversation thinking about them. So that first paragraph should never be, I'm this, I'm that, I want this, I want that. It has to be, you're this, you're that, you've done this, you've done that. So that's how I start every cold email, every cold message. It's always, you've done this incredible thing that's added so much value to other people. I just had the chance to look at it and it's added value to me. So th thank you for what you're doing. Then the next paragraph, I usually get into a little bit. I'm this person. Here's why I want to connect with you. And then at the, the, the last paragraph is more so the here's what I think we can do in collaboration together. And here's how I think us collaborating would add value to you and your audience or you and your friends, you and your family, whatever it is that you're reaching out for. So those are really the three steps. And I think uh, maybe to um, in advance, think about one of the follow-up questions that could come here. If you're reaching out to somebody, you know, famous, right? So a celebrity who you just believe you, there's no way you can add value to them and what they're doing in their world. Uh, it's just as simple as putting at the end, hey, if there's anything at all you could think of where I can add value to you, please let me know. Because a lot of the times nobody's saying that to somebody of, of importance and of power. So um, that's really the model and just coming from a genuine place of I am wanting to help you as much as you are going to help me is really the key. And I, I really, really love that you stress that word value there. Yeah. Um, especially with connecting. It's something that uh, I've learned over the years. I've read some uh, LinkedIn articles about yeah. Um, when I read not too long ago, I, I do forget the artist, um, not the artist, the author, excuse <laughs> me. Um, but she said, stop reaching out to people and just saying, Hey, I just want to connect or I just want to talk to you. Mm. Uh, like, can I pick your brain for a little bit? And I'm like, mm. it kind of took mm. back a little bit. I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. Why would you say that? She went into yeah. a, little, a little more depth. It's like, think about the people you're trying to connect with. It's usually right. people who are, if not the same level, higher. Mm -hmm. think about all the other people like yourself who are essentially saying the exact same thing to them. Mm -hmm. um, and as much as they love to give some of themselves to other people, there's only so much they can give. So you have to provide that return value. And it's that, that keyword, that value. I want to yeah. connect with you, but in a sense, 
how can you help me and I help you and not a, in the scratch your back, but in a more genuine sense of I'm wanting to connect and build that relationship. So yes. I really, really love that you stress that. Yeah. That and and one, one more thing, Gary, that you reminded me of is being unique in, in who you are because, you know, it's just like a job search process, right? How can you stand out from the competition? There are all these people in this world who are looking to reach out to this person as well. What are you going to do that's actually going to make them take a second look at who you are, right? So getting really specific in you know a non-creepy way and saying, you know, like I listened to you on a podcast on this podcast and you mentioned this, or I read one of your articles and you mentioned this, and here's why it resonates with me. That's going to get them to take a second look and really understand a how serious you are about reaching out and b how willing you are to do your homework and actually, you know provide a little bit of extra value for this person and, and, and take this seriously. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But we've covered a, a lot of your journey so far. Um, and yeah. you know, about 24%, but give us a little insight on what a hundred percent looks like for you. Oh my goodness. A hundred percent. Um, I'll, I'll start with right now. Um, so the next 25%, is uh, all about this this thing I'm doing now called the journey to cloud nine and cloud nine living. So I've transitioned from you know this morning optimal routine and overcoming stress and anxiety to really studying happiness and euphoria and meaning and purpose. Um, and I've I've been interviewing and just having genuine conversations with people for about the last three to five months. You know, hundreds of people of uh, really just asking them when's the happiest you've ever been. When are, the, when are you the happiest throughout your day? When are you the happiest throughout your week, your life? Um, and this I call the, the journey to cloud nine. So for me, it's in the form of a website. It's in the form of one-on-one -on -one coaching, getting people to their full meaning and purpose. And it's in the form of a fiction book. So I would, uh, to, to answer more so of your question, the fiction book for me is where the 100% comes in. So are you guys familiar the author Mitch Albom by any chance? No. He he wrote um, Tuesdays with Maury, Five People You Meet in Heaven. Um, I'm not a big reader. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I believe me, I was not either. I was I, never a big reader until like my 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 uh, loading bar began. Okay. Um, but anyway. This guy, Mitch Albom, tells some of the most incredible stories with the most amazing life lessons you can ever imagine. And being immersed in this self-development world for the last year and a half, uh, I sort of, I've never been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, but I get bored very quickly. And even with a year and a half of a deep dive into this world, um, I'm not learning anything that new anymore. You know, I feel like I... I know a lot about this self-help world, so to speak. And I, as a content creator in the self-help world, I want to present it in a way that not only I would enjoy, but can really appeal more so to the masses. So that's why I began writing fiction. So with what I've learned with Cloud9, I've sort of locked in on moments of the day where you can experience true happiness and these transformative life experiences um, where the majority of people have these euphoric moments, but I didn't want to just put that in a nonfiction book. I really wanted to create stories and allow people to interpret for themselves how they can create their own cloud nine lives. Because I think a lot of the stigma with self-help is 
you're telling me to do this. You're telling me to do that. It might not work for me. Let me interpret for myself what I want to do with my life. So if I can present self-help and positive psychology principles in a fictional way, I think that I can really spread the message to a wider audience and even more so allow the audience to start thinking for themselves as well. Um, so my, you know, hundred percent loading bar would be to come out with book after book after book of these prominent positive psychology and self-help principles, but in a really entertaining and enjoyable way for readers. I'd say that's my, that's my rendition of my own cloud nine life is to be that kind of writer, that kind of storyteller, much like, you know, this Mitch album guy who I mentioned to you. Gotcha. All right. So now we get to move on to our favorite part. Yeah. The deep thinking question. So are you ready, man? I'm ready. All right. So question number one, I'm going to take the question from you. And yeah. Ask you, when were you the happiest in your life? Oh, the happiest I have ever been in my life. Can I give you two? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Two, two jump out right away. Uh, we were talking about soccer before. One is we're in the regional semifinals. My club team, we're about 14 years old, and I play goalie, right? So we were, we were going to a penalty kick shootout, regional semifinals. Everything's on the line, and uh, I, I saved one. The other goalie saved one. You know, we had a couple makes, and then basically it was up to me to save the shot so that we stayed in the competition, and uh, I saved that one, so I, like, saved the day. And then the next shot, it was up to me to save it again to win. So I saved that one. And I just remember, you know, throwing my arms up in victory. And then there was a great article written in the paper after it was a picture of me with my arms up and the kid who missed on the ground, like with his head in his hands. And it just said the thrill of victory, the, the, I think I forgot what it is about defeat, the thrill of victory, the, uh, agony of defeat. And for me, that was, that was a cloud nine moment. I'll never forget. It was, it was true, uh, accomplishment and euphoria and that, that camaraderie of, of winning something and being part of a team that really uh, nothing else, not much else is like it. And then the second moment is more so about being happy for somebody else. So my brother's been on this journey, his own journey to get into med school for a pretty long time. And he's, he's as resilient as they come. And I think this is his third med school cycle. And he, he took the MCAT last year and, you know, he really had to get a score that he wanted in order to be, you know, a really good candidate. So uh, he took the test and two weeks later, you know, they don't tell you exactly when you're going to find out, but two weeks later, got a phone call from my brother, his score surpassed what he, he wanted, and it was really going to cement his chances to get into med school. So I remember just, I had a water bottle in my hand at the time, and I just threw it against the, the steps in my house. I, I screamed for him. And uh, again, threw my hands up like that, that victory cheer that we all do. So that Tiger Woods cheer that we all have sometimes. So those are the, those are the two that immediately come to mind. No, I love that, dude. I love that. Yeah. And there's nothing like winning a penalty kick shootout. I can, can mm. say that I've only, I think I've only lost one in my lifetime. <laughs> I, I definitely know oh, wow. I like to, that's to a good record. Out. Yeah. Most of the time I don't kick, so <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I yeah, definitely feel you there. Gotcha. Okay. Our second yeah. question, we're going to go to um, one of our classics here. And as an author, this is an interesting mm -hmm. twist here. Yeah. So we're say a uh, hundred years in the future, Justin thinks yeah. we're going to live till we're 125. Don't get it. 
But <laughs> in case modern medicine ever gets there, let's say we do, you have all of your yeah. friends and family around you. Uh, your brother comes up to you, still in his uh, med school lab coat, and hands <laughs> yeah. you a book. Now, this book yeah. isn't one of the the fiction novels or fiction uh, books you've written over a lifetime. It's actually your autobiography, okay? And this encompasses oh. everything that you've accomplished throughout your life. So sure. story time, you open up to the first chapter, and that very first chapter is your entire life up until this very second that me and you are speaking right now. Uh -huh. What is the title of that first chapter? The title of that first chapter is From the Inside Looking Out. Okay. You want me to explain? Yeah, yeah. Go dive a little deeper into that. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of time in society, we hear these stories, these these amazing cloud nine stories. And I'm sorry to keep using it, but that, that's just how I, I think these days of outsiders who are looking to fit in. And people who realize their true potential by trying to be part of the crowd. And I think a lot of people in life, that's who they want to be. They want to go through the motions. They want to fit in. They just want to um, live the, the life that they think they should be living and that society expects them to live. But for me in my life, I've been an insider, you know, like I mentioned in, in that journey uh, up to where I am to this day, uh, I I have always fit in. I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of friends, to get good grades, to, to have good opportunities work-wise. So I've always been on the inside. But where I find my true passion, where I find my cloud nine life is actually being an outsider and doing things that are deviating from the norm, doing things that nobody else would expect me to do, not going the traditional route. And uh, I think the autobiographical title of flipping this phrase and out on the outside looking in on its head from that to from the inside looking out, I, I think that could make a pretty cool story. I love it, man. And it's it's interesting that you bring that up because um, we or both myself and Gary watched Avengers Endgame over the past weekend. Nice. And I don't know if you watched it or not, if you're, if you're a Marvel not yet, fan. Not yet. No spoilers. But, no, yeah, there, there's no spoiler here. <laughs> but there's a quote from Thor where he says, it's time for me to be who I am instead of who I'm supposed to be. And I think mm -hmm. that aligns perfectly with uh, with what you just said. And I've been using oh, that quote like crazy ever since I heard that in the movie the other yeah. day. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. a spoiler. I'm not really. It's, 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 kind, a, it's, kind of a it's a no context spoiler. Like you'll get it, but it's not a spoiler. <laughs> um, but anyways, before we yeah, ask, but yeah, our, that's great. Yeah, before we ask our final question, where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you? Um, and most of all, where can they connect with you? Yeah, so I'm going to keep this really simple because I, like many others, are afraid of choice paralysis. So it's just journey to cloud9.com. And that's J O U R N E Y T O C L O U D N I N E.com. And you can find everything you need to know about myself on that website, including my email, which, if you want to get in touch with me, um, feel free to, to shoot me an email. Amazing. All right, so final question. What's a question that you wish that we asked you? A question that you wished that I asked, that a question I wish you asked me. Um, that's a good one. I don't know. I feel like you've hit on so many of them. But uh, 
what are what are some answers you've gotten in the past what are some of your favorites well um some of them have some people have turned the question back on us um yeah it, we've gotten some weird ones um i think my favorite is uh what type of peanut butter do we like um <laughs> in new york gave us that one well it was chunky or smooth i'm definitely a smooth guy um but people usually just <laughs> I'd say that they come into um, interviews or just conversations with um, expectations. Even if they don't want to, they they do. Yeah. Um, these preconceived notions of what they'd like to share. And if there's always something or sometimes there's something that they, they didn't want, uh, they didn't get a chance to say, but they still want to get or just put out there, or maybe even just give some advice, things like that. Yeah. Well, I, know, I always want to be different. So I don't want to do anything boring. Okay, here's a good one. I think in the theme, with the theme of the show and, and everything you guys are doing, and especially the name of what you guys are doing, I wish you guys would have asked me, what is the dumbest thing you've ever done? I like that. I really yeah. like that. Justin, what do we and like? I, I'll ask both, and, and if you guys want to answer that question, go ahead. And you can... You can use it based on your acronym, or you can answer based on your acronym, or you can literally answer the question. I need some time to think. I, I, <laughs> I wonder what's like the dumbest thing that. What What about you, Jordan? What's the dumbest thing you've done? As we think, uh, I'll keep this simple while you guys think. Uh, I think the dumbest thing I ever did was quitting my safe corporate job without any plan whatsoever. Uh, but that dumbest thing has also been the greatest thing I've ever done. I can second that, but I I don't want to copy you because I like I mean I didn't quit I just turned down the the comfy corporate offer. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hmm. The dumbest thing. This is funny because like, what have I done that's really <laughs> dumb? I wouldn't like. I'm it sure it also depends on how you want to think about dumb, like. In, in yeah. our sense, like, you know, there's some pretty cool dumb stuff that we've done, but like, yeah, truly dumb stuff. I don't. Oh, truly, I mean, truly dumb me? stuff. Like, like yeah. my parents saying I'm dumb. I could tell you some, some dumb stories, but. Uh... <laughs> I mean, if you ask me, I don't think it's dumb, but if you ask anyone else, they'll probably tell you it's really dumb. Oh, okay. I think the dumbest thing that I did, well, me and Michelle, my girlfriend did was. We decided to go to Guatemala last summer and we don't speak English and we didn't realize like how kind of dangerous Guatemala is, I guess. Yeah. And we survived, but <laughs> looking okay, back on it, it's like went there, no plan, no language. Yeah. Like we had a plan like of what we wanted to do, but it was like yeah. looking back on it now, like what we not necessarily went through, but what we could have went through right. is like, oh, that could have been bad, but. Yeah. It didn't, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But again, like some of the I'm sure it was a great trip, right? So some oh, of the, yeah. some of the dumb things end up being some of the best things. Dude, it was a great experience. I think if we yeah. did more research, we probably wouldn't have gone, but that's fine. <laughs> I, yeah. You've inspired me. I got it. I got it. So okay. this happened while I was abroad. Um I went to Madrid. Um I was mm -hmm. there for six months and um didn't really speak much Spanish, if anything at all. Um, and in Madrid there, though, there is some English around, um, if you're older than like 45, you probably don't speak English. 
and yeah. they probably don't care if you do speak English. They want you to speak uh, Spanish. Um, and I was kind of just, you know, naive little kid going around. But speaking of soccer, Barcelona was in town. Um, oh, and I yeah. lived down the street from the Atletico Stadium. And it was uh, a Copa del Rey semifinal. So the stage is set. I'm like, I, I live right down the street. I got to get tickets to these games to this game. So it's the day of, and I don't have tickets yet. So I decided to go out in front of the stadium and scalp tickets. Um, and actually had to bring my roommate with me at the time who spoke some Spanish just because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and some creepy old dude comes up to me. He's like, yeah, I got tickets for you. 80 euros. I'm like, I don't even know if it's a good price, but like, uh -huh. here's 80 euros. Let's cross my fingers and hope it works it ends up working i was able to get some nosebleeds saw an incredible game almost yeah. got beat up atletico fans it was it was a great night. great night see see dumb stuff ends up being the best yeah man it's beautiful time most of the yeah. time and <laughs> yeah, just exactly. words i survived so <laughs> exactly exactly we're all here uh but awesome Jordan, awesome stuff i wanted to say uh i want to take this moment extend a huge get your grind up young and dumb thank you for coming on the podcast dropping some serious knowledge i mean huge cosign there um and you know having some fun with us man yeah i want to thank you guys as well this is uh my, my best second interview I've ever done on my 90 podcast and 90 day journey. So I really enjoyed it guys. Not seriously. It was, it was fantastic. I appreciate that, man. And if anyone else wants to learn a little bit more about Jordan, hop on our website, get or follow us on social Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at get We are the best number two podcast in the world don't you ever forget it it's the year of get your grind up all 2019 always remember we are all young and dumb and never forget get your grind up see you guys soon peace peace